With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my. We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, hey man, he's coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The Standard is the Standard. You are listening to myself, Lance Williams, out on the West Coast. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Joy. Say hello to the people. What's going on, everyone? Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com here for another. I'm excited for this episode. The draft was last weekend. I know Lance has a full slate for us, so let's get things started, Lance. I don't know if it's a full slate, listeners. It's probably a half slate, sort of like a half rack of ribs, because we're going to try to fly through this episode so we can both get back to the pins game. Go pins in their attempt to try to get this three-peat. But in thinking about the NFL draft, give me your thoughts on the Ryan Shazier walkout. I know it put chills. You know, It gave me chills. Chills went up my spine. I got goosebumps all over. That, that was just an epic moment. Give me your thoughts. And what went through your mind when you saw Ryan Shazier walk out to announce the first-round draft? Um. Well, I, I got to say that, that, that I had two feelings. Number one was just awesome. Um, I knew if you followed him on social media, especially Instagram, you knew he'd been really working hard uh, to get back and to get walking again. So um, that was just phenomenal. But 
once I the chills left my body and I heard him make the announcement of who the first round pick was, a, a part of me felt bad for Terrell Edmonds because here's the guy that's waited his whole life to get up on stage or to maybe he wasn't even expecting to hear his name on day one. And he gets a phone call from Mike Tomlin. He's a 28th pick in the first round of the 2018 NFL draft. And I, I can't, I don't want to take any away from Shazier because that's remarkable. That guy was paralyzed from the waist down in December and is walking in April. Okay. That's remarkable. I'm not taking away from that, but I felt bad for Edmonds because I feel like at least that night, Shazier walking overshadowed everything, and rightfully so. I'm just saying that the young man, I felt like I wish he would have had his moment. He's going to have his moments at Heinz Field, hopefully for years to come. It was awesome to see Shazier, but I did feel a little bit for Edmonds. I don't want that to come off like I was hating on Shazier. I'm not. Trust me. I have a Shaylee shirt that I wear all the time. I'm not hating on Shazier. What were your thoughts? That's interesting that you have that thought, Jeff. Because that didn't cross my mind. I thought you were going to say something based on you being a trainer, you being highly fit about how just as much as he's as he's progressed. You know, that's what I thought you were going to talk about. Because after I saw him come out, it was just sobering to me. Like, man, he's come all this way, and this is still a struggle. Like he's really concentrating in that him trying to get back to football, you know, that's going to take a miracle, you know, from above, uh, you know, to well, get him back. But, well, look, look, I, can, I can talk about that from a physiology standpoint here. Let's, you, you see it as, wow, it's going to be difficult for him to come back. And it, it is. It is going to be difficult for him to come back. I look at it and say, think about this. In the month of December – so we're talking just four or five months ago, all right? He was paralyzed from the waist down. Now, whether it was a complete paralysis, we don't know. But we do know that Vince Williams said in a – I think it was Andrea Kramer, he said to Ryan Shazier, bro, can you even move your toes? Okay? Think about that. Fast forward just four months. Now, we're talking about a debilitating spinal injury that required stabilization surgery, he is walking almost unassisted four months later. This is where we get into the joy and whatever you call yourself, your Debbie Downer. You see the glass is half empty. I see it as, holy crap, the progress this guy has made in just four months is remarkable. If he continues on this path, then I'm not saying football is a reality, but regular life is a reality. Running and playing with your yeah. kid is a reality. And that's ultimately, yeah, I think, what everyone has all has absolutely wanted. Don't look at this as, man, he's only gotten as far. Look at it as there are people that wait years to be where he is, and he's only been there four months. He is a supreme athlete. I think athlete. you're right. You can't take that away from him. You can't take that away from him. Supreme athlete, his physical structure is different than the average Joe that may be in a car accident. So... He has that going for him. He's also unbelievably dedicated. But kudos to Ryan Shazier because, my goodness, the, the progress he's you're, made I think in just right, four to Jeff. five months. I know I I'm think right. you're right. I think that's a, I think, <laughs> I think that's a better perspective. And uh, also, last note on Ryan Shazier, 
the Steelers put him on reserve, physically unable to perform list, and they also converted all of his money up front into a signing bonus. So he'll get that. There's no cap implications have changed or anything. The cap hit is still the cap hit. So it's good to see that. And also it's being reported that Ryan Sazier is going to serve in some capacity as a coach. And I hope that happens moving forward, sort of a, uh, you know, coaching emeritus sort of where regardless of who the staff is, he's always kind of a coach for any staff. But before we get into the draft, one other note I wanted to mention was Jeff wanted to get your thought on the Marquez, considering he's been suspended for 20 games, considering his off-field issues, considering that he is not – he's explosive, he's a freak athlete, but he has not rounded out his game. This is a guy that asked to be out of Pittsburgh. And considering the fact that going into his last year with all of those issues, and he's at the point where if he's uh, found test positive for an illegal substance like marijuana, I believe he would be in the same – position as um, uh, where he'd be, you know, kind of one pop and that's it, and he'd have to get reinstated by the commissioner. What was your thoughts for the Steelers being able to get a third-round draft pick for Marquez Bryant? Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. When it rains, hit the lakes. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. Yeah, I did I did not think of this myself. Mike Prezuda of WDBE and of Steelers.com said this. He is look, he was a Mark Davis Prime was a fourth round draft pick. He was productive, he had his issues, and then they get a third round pick out of him. He said that's like buying a car that's, you know, seven thousand dollars, you drive it around for four years, and then someone gives you nine thousand and you didn't do anything really to make it better. He said that's a great deal. And that's exactly how I viewed it as well. I thought that the Steelers and Kevin Colbert said this in their in their press conference that night. They they value Martavis Bryant, and no one that they had spoken with had ever given them even anything close to what they valued him. And finally, the Raiders did. And you can argue this, that, or the other in regards to should they have gotten more. Third round draft picks, great. Here's the caveat that a lot of people aren't thinking about. I'm going to write an article probably this weekend about it. That third-round draft pick that the Pittsburgh Steelers used, that the guy got from Martavis Bryant, was used to select. They traded up to select Mason Rudolph, quarterback, Oklahoma State. If he ends up being the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger, you will have a Martavis Bryant-Mason Rudolph connection 
that, in my opinion, will will go down in history of Steelers lore of, wow, they, they shipped this away and they got their next franchise quarterback. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying it could happen. And if so, boy, what a story that would be and what a great move that would be for the Steelers if they can bridge the gap from Roethlisberger to Rudolph. What were your thoughts on the trade? You said you liked it, but did you think that they might have been able to get more? For all the baggage that he had, to be able to get value in a third-round draft pick, I think is a coup. And according to the current quarterback, he said uh, the guy's going to have to wait some time. But, but let's jump into the draft. And we talked about the draft, you know, at you know a, a bit last week. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, instead of going into each individual pick. You guys all know the picks. The lists are out there. The grades are out there. There's probably like 50,000 of those things. And I don't really like to do post-draft grades on players because the guys haven't played yet. But I want to ask you a simple question, Jeff. Give me the adjective that you would use to describe the draft. And I'm challenging you to use a word more than one syllable. <laughs> Listeners, I laugh because we had this discussion over the phone not too long ago. He asked me the same question, and my response was a one-syllable word, meh. I will go on to say my attitude has slightly changed um, on this draft class since then. You you get to know the players a little bit more. Uh, You do your research a little bit more on those players. And I'm going to go on to say that if I'm going to describe my reaction, it was just um, unsettled. I'll say that. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it because I didn't know anything about it. Look, folks, I hope you understand this, and Lance is the same way. When the season starts for the Steelers, I am 100% involved in nothing but black and gold, and I'm not talking about Iowa or any other college. I don't watch college football. To me, there's just too many teams, too many athletes. It's too watered down. I love the NFL, and I am all in on the Steelers. And so when draft, the draft time comes around, I know the the people that, you know, people that are mocking to the Steelers in terms of mock draft. I know who they're bringing for pre-draft visits. I'm doing my homework that way. But when they said the number of 20, when Ryan Shazier said the 28th pick, the Steelers select Terrell Edmonds safety from Virginia Tech, I'm like, well, I remember them talking to him at the – Virginia Tech Pro Day, but I don't know a lick about him. I know nothing. I know nothing about him. Um, and the same goes with uh, third-round pick, Chucks, that they call him. I don't even know how to say his name. Lance, you'll never be able to say his name. Tackle. No idea. Western Michigan Tackle. Show me someone that knows a lot about this guy, and I'll show you someone that has no life. So, in my opinion, personally, I had to get to know this draft class. I had to get to know him. I was unsettled. I'm kind of coming to terms. I, I graded them. I graded the process, I guess I should say. I gave it a B uh, when I graded the process for the website. But Lance says, I know you don't like that. You don't have to do that. But what were your thoughts? What was your adjective? And it's uh, Okorafor. It's Chuck's Okorafor. Oh, look at you. Are you sure? Please applaud. Please applaud. Yeah. Are you sure that's how you say it? You still say, Mar- you, you still say Martavius. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bartavius is made up of letters and strange syllables and strange uh, violations of grammar rules. So, Bartavius 
who knows how it's pronounced. Uh, the adjective that I would use to describe this draft, and I said this to Jeff, was flummoxed. I was literally puzzled. And the thing that puzzled me in looking at this draft, I know you shouldn't have knee-jerk reactions to one game, but when you give up 40-plus points to Blake Bortles at the crib in the playoffs and you draft one, two, three defensive players, now I understand that they couldn't address their inside linebacker position, and, Jeff, that's one of the next questions I'm going to throw to you, but – I'm just flummoxed, and I'm like Jeff. You know, because of the wide hashes, I don't find college football enjoyable. I watch the Pac-12. I'm a Cal guy. I'm a Cal fan. There's so many teams. I watch Alabama eventually win it every single season. So, you know, I I, I just, you know, draft or draft. I, I sort of wait for these guys to play because hopefully these guys will play for numerous seasons and we'll have enough game film to grade whether these guys can play because it all has to translate to the NFL, and it's a wait and see, and I'm patient enough to wait and see. I've seen a billion drafts, and that's typically how it is, and that's always how it is, in fact, and that's why I don't like draft grades. But I like this question that I'm going to ask you, Jeff, and I think the more appropriate grade or question instead of a draft grade is just simply what pick did they make got your juices flowing? You know, what pick got you excited? You know, after watching this thing for three days, when they when the pick was in and they said the name, what draft pick made you go, ooh, okay, uh, okay? <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what pick it was. It was when – Friend of the show, relative of you, Max Starks got up on stage and said with the third-round pick, the Steelers take quarterback Mason Rudolph because not only did I do some homework on Rudolph and I knew about him, I always, when I watched the film, a lot of he reminded me a lot of Ben Roethlisberger when I watched him play, uh, at least young Ben Roethlisberger coming out of Miami of Ohio. And I was, I was excited because for the first time, I felt that the Steelers might have been drafting the next quarterback for the team. I didn't get that feeling when they picked Josh Dobbs. I didn't get that feeling when they got Landry Jones. Those were the players that they're like, look, we need depth. We're going to pick up this guy. He's going to get career backup. With with Mason Rudolph, I I really thought about it. I was like, man, they just picked a, a guy that they think could be the next guy. And so for that, I was, um, I was, I got excited. I got excited. I got excited. So, um, that was mine. What about you? You know, I you know, guys, if you listen to the show long enough, you know I don't get excited about much. But I did get excited <laughs> about that pick because Max picked it, and, and so I got excited about that. But that, it, you know, me, I, it, it's hard to get a rise out of me. But let me throw this to you before we jump into the burning question that I want to get to. Ruby, this, if Mason is the next guy, why didn't they just draft him in the first round and wait for several rounds before they got to him? I, I Ultimately, I think because although Kevin Colbert will say they do best player available, yada, 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 if, 
the circumstances, they do best player available within specific groupings. And I think that they had in first round, they had it's either a linebacker or a safety. And when they couldn't trade up to get Rashawn Evans, who went to Tennessee, they went with the best safety they had left on the board, which to, to them was Terrell Edmonds. Um, they said that they had a first-round grade on, on Mason Rudolph. I'm not sure if I believe that. The second round, they had James Washington. And, and according to Colbert, they had a feeling that Rudolph would be there in the early third. They traded up. Actually, a, a Cincinnati was going to draft Rudolph, and they traded up ahead of them with Seattle and made the pick. To me, it seemed like a lot of gambling. It was a he should be there in the second, he should be there in the third. Um, I think they had bigger needs. They had bigger needs in the first round. That's why they didn't do it. So that's my personal philosophy. You might disagree. I, I think you're on to something, Jeff. But let me just add my first take, uh, undisputed. I'm trying to think of some more of these shows, pure speculation point. Uh, what's the guy? Mark Madden in Pittsburgh. I'm just going to openly speculate because all these other guys speculate. So I just want to speculate too. I think if they had taken the guy in the first round, it would have pissed off the current quarterback. And I think yeah. bring the first rounder in pisses off the current quarterback. And if you bring a first rounder in, that says, look, Ben, hey, we love you, but. We're going to try to get this guy to play. And we all know how sensitive Ben is. Draft a first-rounder with Ben Roethlisberger there, Ben would probably be asking to get traded. So I think if you wait till the third round, you still get the guy that you want. You don't cause any ruckus in the locker room, and you don't create the situation where Ben isn't helping the kid at all. Although he did come out and say helping the kid is usually the job of the backup. But I want to jump to – the burning question that I have for you, Jeff. And usually, you know, when we do the show, listeners, I'm the defensive guy, Jeff's the offensive guy. But I want to ask Jeff a, a defensive question. We saw that uh, okay. they drafted multiple safeties. Uh, uh, TJ, I think it was TJ Wilcox got cut. We saw that. You predicted that in our conversations. What's the plan at inside linebacker? Who's going to start, first of all, who are the starting inside linebackers and what's the plan for that position moving forward, given the fact that clearly they are valuing the safety position by drafting one early and drafting one late. What's the plan at the inside linebacker position? Um, Personally, I think that inside linebackers, they're okay with Bostic. I would not be shocked if they still bring in another player. Um, whether that's a Lawrence Timmons or whether that's a Navarro Bowman who's still floating around out there, both of those guys are aged veterans that are not going to be the plug-and-play people that some fans expect. With that said, I think that the inside linebacker position within the Steelers' defense, especially their sub-packages, is changing dramatically. Uh, even last year you saw inside linebackers coming off the field a lot when they were bringing in their nickel and their dime, especially their dime packages, where they want more defensive backs on the field. And so when you think about that, and this is something Mark Caballi of uh, The Athletics said on Twitter, after the draft selection of Terrell Edmonds, and again after the Penn State pick of Marcus Allen, that these guys, that maybe, he's, maybe the Steelers are looking at it and saying, well, we take a linebacker off, 
we want a heavy safety that can stop the run and still cover, these two safeties fit that mold. They're both guys that can. They're very good tacklers. That is everything that I've, I've read about them at every website is that they are fundamental hit and wrap tacklers. They're not the throw-your-shoulder-at-them tacklers, um, which is good news for the Steelers defense. Okay, go ahead. Let me stop you, Jeff. Let me stop you, Jeff, because I want to break it down in terms of the personnel groupings, and you're talking about moving and interchanging these linebackers. So in base, we're talking about the four linebackers would be Watt, Dupree, Williams, and Bostic. So let's shift to nickel. And nickel, if you're not familiar with the term listeners, I'm sure you are, that's just five defensive backs. Dime is just six defensive backs. And so if we go to nickel, so I'm assuming in nickel we're talking about a 3-3-5, meaning three down linemen, three linebackers, and five guys playing in the secondary. So I sent you a couple of pictures earlier in preparation for the show. Who is your linebacker to go with, Watt and Dupree? When it rains, hit the lakes. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. In my opinion, they drafted the safety to play that linebacker spot. So you could take Bostic and Williams off the field altogether and put put Edmonds or probably Edmonds just due to his pedigree on the field or maybe Marcus Allen, and you can keep your DBs back, and Edmonds would be the one that's responsible for covering the tight end and, for, and he can still stop the run. I think that's where they're headed, in my opinion. I don't think they want to go really light you know, with two down linemen or something like that when you go into dime and certain sub-package situations where they threw out some really radical stuff last year. But that's just my thought. What do you think? So in nickel, we're talking about Watt Dupree and one of the safeties. And you're talking about having Burns, Hayden, Burnett, Davis, and Hilton as your secondary guys playing off the line of scrimmage. And you put Edmonds inside as the nickel backer. I, I think that's probably where it's going. And you keep Watton Dupree, you keep two athletes, your most athletic linebackers on the field in that situation. I agree with that. And the other thing that well, I think today, and we I think I, I ahead, think John. that hold on, let me let me let me interrupt you. I think that in that situation, I would have Watt as the former as the Ryan Chazier role in the nickel. He would be in the middle, and I would have. I would have Edmonds or Allen, whoever the kid, whatever the case may be, he would be going to the heavy side with the tight end, if there is a tight end, which most likely there will be, um, or if he might be in the slot as well. But I would have him going to the heavy side, and I keep Watt in the middle. He's the most athletic. He's the most well-rounded. And then you can put Dupree on the other edge trying to, I don't know, do whatever he does. I'm not sure what that is, but um, that's just my personal thought. And then we talked about Dime, and Dime, of course, Dime 60B. So Dime is where I think it gets a little more interesting in Dime. I mean, are you going to play two down linemen or are you going to play three down linemen? I think if they go to Dime, I could see where they're playing three down linemen. And I liked your idea that you gave me uh, about one of the linebackers playing on the line of scrimmage. And, and, and Dime, so who do you see? 
So, and Don, do you think all of the safeties are on the field? Do you think it's Burnett, Davis? So who are your secondary guys in Don? Do you think it's Edmonds, uh, Burns, Hayden, Burnett, Davis, and Hilton? Those are your six guys with Watt on the field as well? Yeah, I think Edmonds just goes into the William Gay role there. Hilton stays on the field. You have three safeties and three cornerbacks in dimes. And Edmonds is going to play a very hybrid role in that dime package. A, a role that, in my opinion, William Gay would have been really suited for three years ago before he got old and slow. So that's not his fault. That happens to everyone. But um, that's, that's my thought, is you put Edmonds in that William Gay role because I think he's fast enough, he's big enough. You, can, you don't necessarily want him covering the slot, but that's where Mike Hilton comes into play. And all that. that that's going to be unique, though. They're, they're going to have to really get um, – they're really going to have to get creative. And that's why when I told you when they made a – when the draft was over, I said the Steelers are really going to either reinvent the wheel here with this style of defense or they're going to look like absolute buffoons. We obviously hope for the, uh, for the first and not the latter. But I, I don't know. I, I think that this defense could work if the picks pan out and show that they're capable of what we all think, and that is – Downhill tacklers, good tacklers, can still cover and yet can still play the run the way that they want them to do, almost like a linebacker. What's interesting, and this is a friend of the show, Jim Wexel, pointed this out, that Marcus Allen's size, he's a big boy. He's 6'3", 215. He said that James Ferrier at his prime played the inside linebacker position at, like, I think, 6'3", or 6'4", at 218. So he's almost built like a linebacker. So I, I don't know what their plans are with these guys. It's going to be really interesting to watch. If you're a defender guy, you're a defensive guy, and I know you are, not really the preseason, but they might be able to see some flashes and what they plan on doing with some of these guys. It's going to be interesting. I mean, it's interesting. It's always great to have a ton of athletes that can run and hit. One thing with being that light and having that many guys on the field uh, you know, you're going to be susceptible to the run. I mean, if you're going to be susceptible to a power running team. If you run up against a team that can run it pretty well out of three wide receiver and multiple wide receiver sets, you know, you're going to be in trouble because you're not going to have enough defensive linemen to run interference, so to speak, so these guys can't run and hit. Because when you're that light in the pants across the board and these offensive linemen get to the second level, I mean, you can give it up in gouges. But it is interesting, and, and you, we can clearly see in the draft that I think some of the players that they wanted did not pan out. And because they play so much sub-package football, that this could be the route to go. But, Jeff, before we get out of here, do you have any last words? Because I know we both want to go see that Pins game. Go Pins. We yeah, want to meet the fans. There are, yeah. And what do fans look forward to on, on the site? Give them an update. Um, I, I do want to tell them I want to have a show next week or soon because I really want to talk about Ben Roethlisberger's comments that were made, Mason Rudolph, the expectation. We talked a lot about defense today. I want to talk about offense and James Washington and the offense without Martavis Bryant, what that's going to look like. I have some ideas. I want to run them by you. So I, I do want to do a show next week, so listeners keep an eye out for that. As for the website tomorrow, Friday, you can check out. Uh, we're going to have highlight reels. Um, we're going to update the Steelers' salary cap situation after J.J. Wilcox was released, how they're going to be able to sign all of their rookies, all of that information, as well as um, some commentary. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. So um, 
hey, this is an exciting time on the website. I mean, there's a lot of really good content. This is where you get to know these players. Come to VinusSteelCurtain.com. We'll have everything you need. Lance, go ahead. Listeners, I just want to apologize for fumbling the intro. If it sounded like it really sounded, <laughs> I want to apologize for fumbling before Renegade got played. That is terrible. So I just want to apologize for that. It's, uh, you know, it's the business season. Mini camp hasn't started, so we're still working it out. But with that, listeners, we always appreciate you lending us an ear, chiming into the show, giving us your thoughts. And as always, go Steelers. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.